Hey, welcome back into Local News Live. I'm Clay Osterley. Today is Monday, August 29th. We're going to have a look at your local top stories going on across the country from Gray Television here from Studio B in just a second. But I do want to toss things to Studio A and Victoria Shirley with a look at your national headlines going on across the country today. Victoria. Thank you so much for that, Clay. We are going to jump right into it. Unfortunately, the much-anticipated Artemis One launch was scrubbed this morning. Let's kind of uh, dive into that in just a moment. But first, I want to give you a preview of our top headlines here. Um, all right, so NASA again has scrubbed the launch of the new moon rocket after an engine problem. And the Justice Department has reviewed documents seized in a Mar-a-Lago search and the Georgia Trump grand jury. An update there as Governor Kemp, the governor of Georgia's appearance, will be delayed. A judge granted that today. And we have a couple more stories that we'll also dig into as well. But let's go ahead and start here with the Artemis launch that was scrubbed. All right, so NASA has scrubbed the launch of its new moon rocket and on a no-crew test flight after a cascade of last-minute problems, including unexplained engine trouble. The next launch attempt won't happen until Friday at the earliest, and the 322-foot space launch system rocket was set to lift off this morning from Florida with three test dummies aboard on its first flight, a mission to propel a capsule into orbit around the moon. The shakedown flight, when it happens, will be a big step forward in America's quest to put astronauts back on the moon for the first time since the end of the Apollo program 50 years ago. NASA hopes to send four astronauts to the moon in 2024 and land humans there as early as 2025. All right, a big story we covered last week is a legal filing shows the Justice Department has completed its review of the documents seized uh, from the former president's Florida home. Let's go ahead and dig into this story for you. All right, a legal filing shows the Justice Department has completed its review of potentially privileged documents seized from former President Donald Trump's Florida estate this month. Today's filing says the department has identified, quote, a limited set of materials that potentially contain attorney-client privileged information. The filing from the department follows a judge's weekend order indicating she was inclined to grant the Trump's legal team's request for a special master to review the seized documents and to set aside any that may be covered by claims of legal privilege. The hearing is set for this Thursday in federal court in Florida, and the Justice Department says in its filing it would disclose more information later this week. All right, staying on the topic of the former president, but a different investigation here. A judge has ruled that Georgia Governor Brian Kemp must testify before a special grand jury that's investigating possible illegal attempts to influence the 2020 election in the state. But that judge agreed to postpone the governor's appearance until after the November election. Lawyers for Kemp had argued that immunities related to his position as governor protect him from having to testify. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney, who's overseen the special grand jury, disagreed and said the governor must testify. Prosecutors have said they want to ask Kemp about contacts with the former president, Donald Trump, and others in the wake of the 2000. 20 general election. 
All right, this next topic we've been covering quite a bit this summer. That's people unhappy when they go to the airport to fly in the skies. They're unhappy with airlines and how everything has been going at their local and regional and international airports. Let's go ahead and dig into this one. All right, this kind of backs up what we were just saying. Adding to the woes for airlines complaints were up in the month of June, according to the Department of Transportation data out today. Air travelers filed nearly 6,000 complaints in one month. That's a 35% increase from the month before, and it seems the thousands of canceled flights are to blame for the anger. Weather was a major factor disrupting travel plans, but airline staff shortages and FAA ground stops also contributed to the cancellations. Last week, Transportation Secretary rather, Pete Buttigieg sent a letter to airlines calling the summer disruptions unacceptable. It seems, according to at least the number of complaints, that travelers agree. All right, we are going to go ahead and head now to Studio B, where Clay Osterley is standing by, and he has the very top stories from our great TV station group from across the nation. Clay, what do you have for us? Hey, Victoria. Yeah, we're going to take a look at uh, several top stories going on across Gray Television today. Uh, more than 100 local television markets across the country, and these are just a few of those stories that we picked out from what we call the big board. It's the top trending stories across the country. So let's jump into a preview at a couple that we're going to look at. Some really bad news coming to us today from Bend, Oregon, and our, our KPTV uh, Gray Television newsroom there in Portland covering this. Three dead, including the suspect, after a shooting at a shopping center there in Bend, Oregon, and we're going to get the latest on that one here. Also, tracking some news out of uh, Nebraska, WOWT is our station in Omaha. They're uh, following a story where a high school in Bellevue, Nebraska, which is just south of Omaha, uh, students were protesting the school's handling of a teacher using racial slurs. So we will get the latest from WOWT. Also tracking some weather stories for you today, WLBT in Jackson, Mississippi is following uh, the Pearl River that runs right through the city crested earlier this morning, but it is causing massive river flooding out there right now. And we have a look at what people are dealing with. Also, it's something we haven't talked about a ton this summer so far, but the tropics are heating up in the tropical Atlantic. We have several First Alert meteorologists and several gray television stations following a possible development of into a tropical depression in the Atlantic Basin coming up in just a minute here. So first, let's get to your top story from Gray Television today. Portland, Oregon, uh, KPTV covering a shooting at a shopping center that leaves three dead. And a very tragic story coming to us here that developed last night. So let's get you uh, the very latest here from KPTV. Half hour in Bend this morning where two people were killed in a shooting at a grocery store. The shooter is also dead. Fox News Chandler Watkins is live in Bend this morning with the very latest. Chandler, what can you tell us? Yeah, right now it seems like someone with the authorities is walking into the Safeway, making their way in there dressed in what appears to be a bomb suit. Police say this all started when a man left a residence behind the Forum Shopping Center and made his way to the parking lot. Their authorities say he fired several shots near the Costco and Big Lots before making his way into the Safeway. Police say the suspect shot two people, one at the entrance of the Safeway and then one inside the store. 
Multiple 911 calls sent officers and medics rushing to the shopping center. We spoke with Sheila Miller with Bend PD. She says as officers made their way inside the store, they could still hear the gunshots. Officers responded and entered Safeway hearing shots. They found the apparent shooter dead inside Safeway. Uh, next to the shooter, they found an AR-15 style rifle and a shotgun. Um, and police did not fire any shots at the scene. In a press conference last night, Bend Police Chief Mike Krantz said almost 100 officers from several agencies across Central Oregon responded to the shooting. They say the FBI is also responding. Now, this is a very expansive crime scene. You can see the tape is far extending across this parking lot right now. Authorities say it's going to take a while to gather and process the evidence as this is a developing, ongoing investigation. As we continue to learn more, we'll keep you updated on air and online. For now, in Bend, Chandler Watkins, Fox 12 Oregon. Chandler, before we let you go, we know that person was walking in as we were coming to you live. Have you seen anybody else dressed in that manner go into the building? And do you have any indication as to why that person would be dressed that way? Authorities have not spoken to us since we got to the scene early this morning, but when we did get here around 2 o'clock, we have seen several regularly dressed officers in their uniforms going in and out of the Safeway. So we'll continue to ask officers additional information and we'll continue to keep you updated throughout the morning. All right, Chandler Watkins and Ben, thank you. Of course, you can always head over to kptv.com and follow the very latest on that story. No doubt they will continue to cover that throughout the rest of the day. Moving on to our next story here today, uh, we had a high school actually go on lockdown earlier this morning in Bellevue, Nebraska. Uh, that's because a protest broke out after a teacher is accused of using a racial slur several times. Students sparked that protest because they are not happy with the way that the school handled that situation in our gray television newsroom WOWT in Omaha, Nebraska has the very latest. Lundak has a response from Bellevue schools and from a disappointed parent. John and Lauren, that's right. A parent at Bellevue West tells me he's disgusted and hurt after he says his daughter witnessed her science teacher using a racial slur in class. He's now calling on the school to properly handle the situation before he decides to pull his daughter from the school. You know, we need leaders. If you can't lead, you're in the wrong profession. Jason Cribbs' daughter is a junior at Bellevue West High School. After school on Monday, he got an upsetting phone call from her. A teacher and a student were engaging back and forth. Um, I don't know what exactly was said, uh, but the, um, I guess the student said the N-word. Well, the teacher started repeating that N-word, um, and it continued to repeat it throughout the class. Jason says his daughter was in the class when the white science teacher allegedly began using the racial slur and used it again in front of other school staff. Um, and then I heard that the... Um, the dean intervened and the teacher continuously was still saying the n-word as that dean was present. In a statement to Six News, a representative for Bellevue Public Schools says they cannot discuss personnel matters and that, quote, Bellevue Public Schools does not condone the use of racial slurs in any manner or environment from students or staff. Jason says he spoke with the principal at Bellevue West today. He says he got an apology but was told the teacher will be retained. 
and that his daughter is welcome to move classes. Now, I feel like leaving that teacher in, in that environment, you're not changing anything. This teacher is still going to be walking the hallways. These, teachers are st these students will still be on edge. Now, Jason says he's considering having his daughter switch schools, despite her thriving as a student and an athlete at Bellevue West. And I don't, you know, I would hate to go that way, but I'm going to do what I have to do to protect my children. Um, and, you know, that's part of me being a father. I'm going to protect my children and make sure they're, that they're in a safe environment. On your side in Bellevue, Marlo Lundak, 6 News. And that parent also tells 6 News that no notice or notification was sent to school families after the incident occurred. And he says that the school could have handled the entire situation in a much better manner. Of course, uh, for the very latest on that story, you can head over to WOWT.com. Again, that's our great television newsroom in Omaha, Nebraska. Our next top story, moving into the weather category today. Last week, we saw massive flash flooding across central Mississippi, and the area rivers are now responding to all of that uh, water coming down the river basins. Well, this morning, the Pearl River in Jackson, Mississippi, crested, but not before causing major uh, river flooding across the portion of uh, Jackson that is affected by the Pearl River. So for that, we want to give you a look here at what WLBT was seeing as they were covering kind of what folks were going through earlier this morning as the river crested. Storm tracker out in the field this morning. First alert weather's Brandon Walker tracking the latest. Good morning, Brandon. Tell us what you're seeing out there right now. Yeah, good morning, Barbie and Wilson. Uh, continue to keep an eye on what's happening out here with the Pearl River right now. We're on Harrow Drive, which is off of uh, Westbrook Road, which is off of Old Canton Road in Jackson. And uh, we're continuing to keep an eye on what's happening. And on Harrow Drive, this is a little neighborhood over here that's experiencing some of the flooding from the Pearl River. And again, we're just kind of slowly creeping through this because the closer you get to the stop sign at the end of Harrow Drive, uh, this water actually gets pretty deep. Uh, Keith and I, Keith is driving, of course, we're being safe in these types of conditions, but we came down this road earlier and uh, we said, yeah, we're not going to be able to make it to the stop sign because of how deep this water is. Now, granted, I think this water, we've been talking about that situation where we saw an opportunity for the water to kind of come up overnight coming into this Monday morning. So I do not believe a lot of the people that are still living over here right now, or if they did not decide to evacuate, I don't think they probably knew how bad it was going to get or if it wasn't going to get this flooded this morning. But they're going to wake up to an extreme uh, situation. They're not going to be able to necessarily leave because this water is pretty deep. The further you go down this road, especially for some of these houses towards the end of this road, towards the end of the stop sign at the end of Harrow Drive, it's almost it's definitely impassable. And we're in a lifted uh, Chevy C71 and it was a no go for us just getting closer. Just to give you a vantage point, we'll kind of zoom in on this mailbox right there. Look how high that water is getting right there, uh, Barbie and Wilson. You can actually just see how high that is. I mean, you know, you got a you got a mailbox that may be standing around three feet, maybe three and a half. Um, and so again, that water certainly has been making its way up across the portions of this neighborhood. On the other thought, there's a neighborhood on the other side of this Sedgwick Drive that has no water on it. So just one road over, just to give you an idea of what we've been kind of seeing over here, has no water on it, but also has no lights, but this road has lights right now. And so still trying to figure that situation out. But 
again, for the folks that are kind of tuned in, if there is anybody that's tuned in living in this neighborhood, um, depending on how far you're living down, you're not going to be able to leave your house just because of how deep this water is, unless you're driving something like a, a truck. Or of course, uh, as mentioned, the Pearl River did crest earlier this morning, so hopefully conditions will be getting better as we go throughout the day and in the coming days. Of course, if they add any more rain on top of what they've been seeing in Jackson, Mississippi, that could hurt the situation. But uh, fingers crossed here that we will get a little bit of a break from some of the heavy rain that we've seen over the last couple of days. Staying with the weather, it's been almost two months since we've had a named storm in the Atlantic uh, Ocean, and we are in the peak of Atlantic hurricane season right now. But the tropics are being monitored now as we're seeing a system potentially trying to show up in forecast models. And so a really good in-depth look that we have actually came from WMBF. That's our great television newsroom in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Their, their first alert meteorologist there kind of dove into some of the details and have an update on what we could be dealing with later on in the next couple of uh, about five to seven days or so. So let's get you out to Myrtle Beach with the latest. Well, the tropics are heating up, so be sure to tune in to Live Tropics now at 8 o'clock this morning. Andrew will have the latest developments and what it means for you and your family. Again, you can tune in on our Facebook page. And, Andrew, you said just last week we're nearing the record for the longest stretch of time without a named storm, which is kind of good news, yeah. but we're about to turn this tide here a little bit, though, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like a ticking bomb yeah. at this point. I mean, the tropics were approaching the peak of hurricane season, and we're also approaching, like you said, that long streak mm -hmm. that I think comes to an end this week. Let's Oof. go ahead and talk about Let's it. Here's a that. look at the streak, right? 57 days. The record is 61 days since the last named storm. Danielle's that next name, and I think we'll see Danielle sometime this week. I say that because we have plenty of activity, and we're talking about these tropics, the tropical waves coming through, a 20% chance of development over the next five days. You'll notice we go into that next wave, wave number two, 50% chance of development over the next two days, 80% chance of development over the next five days, and another wave off the coast of Africa. Just to give you the idea that multiple rounds are now starting to work through the Atlantic. How about this one up to the north in the Atlantic at 10%? Really want to focus on this one. Shocker, right? 80% chance of development. High chance here over the week that we will see a tropical depression, if not tropical storm form. Another thing we're watching is the models. This is seven days out. Notice the inconsistencies in the runs. This is about 175 miles between the two models. So we'll keep an eye on that. Too soon to call it a threat. Also too soon to write it off. But both models seeing agreement of some sort of storm, this a hurricane uh, for the GFS. That's a look at next week. Hard to tell where it would go at this point. The European same time frame puts a storm right in the vicinity of what most of those models are showing. So right now it's the watch and wait. Good reminder here while we are waiting for this to actually form for you to make sure that you have your hurricane preparedness plan ready to go. Models heading at development sometime midweek still. All right, so kind of cut off abruptly there, but uh, you get the gist is that uh, we are following some uh, tropical weather down in the Atlantic to be monitored over the next, say, five to ten days or so. And, of course, our first alert meteorologist 
across the East Coast and the Gulf of Mexico. We'll be following that carefully. On a, another note related to the tropics, did just want to mention that today is the anniversary of Hurricane Ida, Hurricane Katrina, and Hurricane Isaac, all of those making landfall across the Gulf Coast, the Southeast Louisiana coast, and the Mississippi coast specifically. Hurricane Ida, of course, came ashore last year on this day, which was also the 16th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Uh, Ida was a Category 4 with 150-mile-per-hour winds. Hurricane Katrina was a Category 3 with 125-mile-per-hour winds. And Isaac was a Category 1 hurricane with winds of about 100, or excuse me, about 80 miles per hour when Isaac came ashore. But Isaac, popular or well-known for the fact that uh, Isaac produced a lot of storm surge across the Louisiana Gulf Coast. So those three hurricanes all making landfall on today uh, in the last 16, 17 years or so. So a big day across the Gulf Coast and a lot of coverage coming from our Gulf Coast stations. WLOX uh, recently reached out to Local News Live some, for some coverage they're going to be doing on Hurricane Katrina. And WVUE, as well as WBRC in Baton Rouge, likely to be dealing with some coverage today as well on the other two hurricanes mentioned, Hurricane Ida and Hurricane Isaac. But those are the great top stories going on across the country today here for your Monday, August 29th. From Studio B, I'm Clay Osterley. I'll send it back to Studio A with Victoria Shirley. All right, Clay, I'm looking forward to having you join me in Studio A for this next story because I know you've got plenty to say. Let's go ahead and jump straight into it. All right, for the people who are fans of the PSL, the pumpkin spice latte, this is not going to be the best news for you. That's because Starbucks's pumpkin spice latte is returning at a higher price. Wompity womp. All right, let's talk a little bit about what changes you might see for some of your favorite drinks. So not even Starbucks's pumpkin spice latte is immune to inflation. The fall favorite, which returns tomorrow, is getting more expensive with a grande-sized PSL costing customers between $5.45 to $5.95, depending on the location. Let's go ahead and get that video back up there for you. All right, so that price change is roughly a 4% increase compared to last year. That's in line with broader price hikes at Starbucks and other chains, which have all increased menu prices gradually over the past year because of inflationary pressures. The PSL, as it's often referred to, has been a very popular item on Starbucks' menu for nearly two decades. It elicits excitement among its loyal fan base. And I actually know a few people who actually do get pretty excited about this drink. And Starbucks has sold more than 600 million PSLs since the drink's introduction in 2003 or so. Over the past 20 or so years, I'm not the best at math, but that's a lot. That's a lot of drinks, Clay. Almost 20 years. Yep, you got it. Yep. Uh, I, I am one of those people that gets super excited about PSL season. Uh, and so, yeah, so I'm really excited. I, I, here's the thing. I generally only maybe get two or three pumpkin spice lattes per season because I, I'll just be honest, my, my go-to is the salted caramel uh, mocha. That's, that's my fall drink of choice. But 
Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about this. It's I don't think the 50 cents is really going to bother me or sway me on that. Um, yeah, I'm all about it. I can't wait. It is officially pumpkin spice latte season. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be a problem if it was a drink that, and maybe some do, a drink that people get every single day because 50 cents times five that, well, that's, times yeah. the entirety of fall. That's... Let's be real, times seven, times seven okay, a week, you're right? right? Because I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are people that that do go in almost every day for the pumpkin spice latte or the, um, I think they have the pump, uh, the, the cold brew pumpkin foam thing. I don't really get into that too much, but I know that there's a, there's a lot of people that really like the, the cold brew pumpkin spice latte cousin, if you will, uh, of, of the drink as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure maybe they, they change it up every day. One time they get the hot drink, one time they get the cold drink. Yeah, so this is 4% so. increase. That's big news for people if they're getting it on the daily. But if yeah. for people that see it more as a novelty like you, Clay, you mm -hmm. said you get it maybe once or twice. Um, yeah, a dollar. Do you think it's worth it? I, I, no, I, I do. Extra I, I, I do think it's worth it. And like I said, most of the time I'm going in and getting one of the small ones anyway. So this is the grande size, so that's that's the, the medium, right? So, yeah, I mean, a 50 cent increase for the, the medium drink, I, I think that's I, <laughs> manageable, for at least for my coffee drinking habits. Maybe <laughs> if you do multiply by five or, or seven a week, then yeah. you're starting to get up there a little bit. I, for one, hate coffee. Right. So she's not off excited. my back. <laughs> She's not excited for PSL season. It's okay. All right, well, that was a look at our top headlines.